Good morning. As we turn to God's word this morning, I'll just let you know that I'm going to give you a sermon that sometimes preachers can take some flack over. Today, the topic of today's sermon will be uh, money and giving or, or being generous. And sometimes I think preachers take some flack over giving sermons on money and giving because there's this impression that churches, all they're about is wanting to get your money. I'll never forget uh, one Sunday in my first church, I got up to give the message and I hadn't been preaching that long. I, I was fresh in the ministry and I gave the topic of the sermon and I said, this message is going to be about money and giving. And there was one woman about two pews back that just all of a sudden got super disgusted. In fact, she made an audible, oh, can you believe this? And starts looking around and, and, uh, and, I, and, uh, and she just had this uh, almost visceral reaction to the idea that the preacher was going to preach a sermon on money or giving. In fact, Chelsea and I have laughed on that many times because sometimes she'll ask me during the week, hey, uh, Corey, what's your sermon topic this week? And I'll tell her the sermons on what this or that. And, and she'll imitate that lady in the second row. And, uh, and we crack up every time. But this morning's message is not about getting you to give more money to the church. It's really not. Uh, in fact, I think we've got a lot of people in our church that are very generous every week to give their tithes or their offerings. And some of you over the years have given very substantial gifts for the, to the ministry of this church a couple weeks ago, I put out the word that we were going to put together what we call essential items boxes. And, um, and in just a couple weeks' time, we had so many people that had brought in huge amounts of food, and we had over $3,500 given in just that short period of time. Many of you are very, very generous in giving. And so I'm not here this morning to beg you for more. I hope and pray that as you put these things before the Lord, God would, would uh, give you joy in giving. In fact, this message has been entitled, How to Be Rich Towards God. Because those who are rich towards God are full of joy and generosity and have peace related to their finances. The title comes from Luke chapter 12, verse 21. And I decided to use these words because the verse caught my eye. In Luke 12, 21, it says, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Being rich towards God uh, brings a lot more joy and meaning into our lives than being rich with money and possessions. Becoming rich towards God means that we will use our money, not selfishly, but for God and to invest in the things that will last for all eternity. Randy Alcorn, uh, an author I like, once said it this way, you should not live, uh, you should live not for the dot, but for the line. And what he meant by that is using this little illustration here, the dot is the moment in time. 
It is the right now. It is the things in my life. And he says, we should not live just for the moment right now. What uh, simply focus on ourselves, but we should live for the line, which represents eternity. What will go on forever. Alcorn also said that God prospers you not to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. That's cool, isn't it? God prospers you not to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. In other words, God uh, uh, entrusts us with money so that we can give it for, uh, to be used by him. We are simply money managers. We're really not owners. We're money managers of what God has entrusted to us. You see, if it was given to us, we'd have it forever, but we will have none of this forever. We're simply entrusted with it for a time. And the way that we use it wisely is when we use it for God and his glory. This is what Jesus is going to teach us about when he teaches us, when he teaches us about how to be rich towards God. Going back to Luke 12, and we're going through the gospel of Luke in uh, the church right now. We're looking now this morning at Luke 12, verses uh, 16 through 21. In verses 16 through 20, Jesus tells us a parable, and he starts the parable this way. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so let me just stop right there for a moment. Uh, first of all, the, the person in this uh, parable is called a rich man. He is wealthy and he's become wealthy because he's had an abundant harvest. The harvest that came from the ground over which he really had no control. God caused the abundant harvest and yet when he was rich and had more than he could use, he thought to himself in verse 16, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. In other words, he's got more than he can even store in his barns. And this is a problem. So he comes up with a solution. Next verse, verse 18. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus. Look at that word right there. Surplus. In other words, all the extra stuff that he couldn't use immediately. Now, when we read this story, how much do we really have in common with this lucky farmer who has more than he could use? You know, when we went into these shelter-at-home orders, my first home project was to clean out my garage. And uh, I thought, this is a time, if I've got time where I'm stuck at home, I'm going to get this garage cleaned out. Some stuff still in the boxes, in the same boxes in, that were put there when we moved into the house like eight, nine years ago. And, uh, and so I began to pull out all the stuff from the rafters and I began to go through all the shelves and I ended up throwing away 13 large trash uh, cans of stuff. 
and I donated other stuff, but I had 13 large trash cans of stuff that was just junk. And maybe we have more in common with this guy than we would like to admit. Have you ever had a yard sale for all the surplus, all the extra stuff that you've got in your life that you can't use immediately? Have you ever carried a load or a, or a couple loads or 20 loads to, to goodwill? Have you ever had a hard time finding a place in your garage for all the stuff you weren't using anymore because your garage was already full of stuff you weren't using anymore? You see there, uh, we may have more in common with this rich guy than what first meets the eye. I googled this just out of curiosity, and these numbers may be a couple years old, but at least in 2018, uh, Google says that there, are, there were 23,404,300 personal storage units rented out in the United States. And I see we've got a new one going up just right over here, a, a huge one on Azusa by the 10 freeway. These storage units to store all the stuff that we can't fit in our houses or in our apartments. According to Google, uh, Americans spend about $40 billion a year to store all the extra stuff that they can't fit in their homes. So yeah, maybe we've got more in common with this rich guy than at first meets the eye. So now let's get back to the parable. The rich man, after he has uh, decided to build these big barns, uh, verse 19 says, uh, you have plenty of grain laid up for yourself for many years. This is the rich man talking to himself. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And I think we might look at that if, if it was really not the biblical text, but just a story that we heard and we would think, hey, that's a good thing. That's what we're all after, right? To take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This guy's able to retire early. He's got it all together. And we would look at him and we'd say, good for him. You've got enough money to buy whatever you want. If you can retire early, great. And we think of the blessed man, we think of the rich man as a blessed man, right? I think everyone in Jesus' audience thought thought the same thing. And so Jesus then surprises them with verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. And you can almost hear the gasp in the crowd. What do you mean? This guy is a fool. He's living the dream. He's blessed. What's going on here? God says to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And every one of us, at one point, our lives will be demanded from us. No longer will be, there be a dot on the line, but uh, no longer will there be a, a dot, but we will enter into the line. The, we will live for all eternity. And the question is, have the, has the way we lived in the moment on the dot, have we lived in such a way that it will make a difference 
for all eternity. And what Jesus is pointing out in this parable is that this man has not. He simply lived for himself. He simply sought to eat, drink, and be merry, to to prepare for his own enjoyment and pleasure. And so verse 20 says, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now, all of us want to prepare well. We want our finances to be able to meet our needs if God blesses us with a long life and many years after we retire. But what concerns me is the way, is the last three words of what Jesus says here, that this man has simply used his wealth to uh, provide or to be prepared for himself. This guy has not been living for anyone else but himself so that he could eat, drink, and be merry. And what's probably ironic is that my guess is he wasn't so merry. Selfishness leads to sadness. And dime counting leads to depression. And a me-centered life leads to a meaningless life. And so now Jesus pulls out of the parable and he reads and he says the verse that we read at the beginning of this sermon. How this is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Sometimes we think that life is all about the same things that the rich man fell into the trap of thinking it was about to eat, drink and be merry. And we store up for ourselves things for ourselves, but we are not rich towards God. We've embraced what is called the, what we could call the consumption assumption. The consumption assumption is that everything that comes my way is for my consumption. And that's a mistake because it's not all about us. This man thought it was, and he built bigger barns, and uh, in the end, it was total loss. He had nothing that would matter for eternity. People probably ate really good cake at his memorial service, but nothing from his life would make a bit of difference after he was gone from this earth. And so now, what are we to do with this uh, parable? Are we to conclude we're not to get wealthy? Are we to conclude that money is evil and it's going to uh, corrupt us? No, that's not the answer. You see, money is not evil. Uh, Jesus said that the love of money was the root of all evil. But money itself, if used rightly, can actually be a great thing in our lives. Because it can add meaning to our lives. It can be a tool in our lives to, to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the things of God and to bless people in Jesus's name. And so let me make this abundantly clear. Money can add meaning to your life, but money is not the meaning of life. It's not the whole goal of life. The goal of life is to use what God has entrusted to us for his glory. And the rich man never realized this. He thought his money was simply for his own pleasure. He never recognized that it could be a tool to be used to bring good into this world and to be used for God. 
And so here's the question that I want to ask us each this morning. This is the big application question. To what ends do you want your life to be used? To, uh, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? In other words, where do you want your life to be moving towards? What do you want to accomplish in your life? When we can think of those that we want to bless and that we want to help, when we can think of how we can uh, use what God has given us, our time and our talents and our treasures, when we can think of how to use those things for his glory, when we can think of how to answer this question, then we can begin to put into place some things that will make a difference for all eternity. Because the things that are done in Jesus' name and are done for him can, uh, can be a blessing to others and make a difference forever. In fact, not only will those that we help be blessed, but we will, help, uh, we will be blessed ourselves because we will become rich towards God. We'll be full of joy and peace. We'll become people that are generous. And people that are generous have far more blessing in their lives than those who are selfish. It leads ultimately to the type of life that God wants us to live. This is his abundant life for us. I have thought that with this pandemic that's happening and how uh, we have economic hardship right now, both as a country and then as individual families and, and individual people, uh, that maybe we will begin to see money and wealth and uh, possessions through a different lens. Maybe we'll begin to recognize that life is more than just these things. Maybe we'll move out of the consumption assumption and begin to use it for God. And, and I'd like to be optimistic like that, but I know that Within each of us, including myself, within each of us, there is an appetite for bigger and newer and shinier. And my fear is that when this is all over, we'll get pulled right back into materialism and greed very quickly. And it's going to take more than a hardship or human reasoning or even a really, really good sermon on money to... Uh, to change our hearts. What's needed is to be changed by God. You see, our culture has the same pull that was uh, in the culture in which Jesus lived, to eat, drink, and be merry. But Jesus, if we choose to follow him, he has a different way, a, a better way. Jesus challenges us to use our money as a tool. But as I said before, we're, we're not owners of this money. We're simply money managers of what God has entrusted to us, not given us, but entrusted to us. And so I want us to wrestle with this question. To what ends do you want your life to be a means? Now, as you think about who you might be generous to, uh, I have three questions for us to consider. One, what am I thankful for? What are you thankful for? What has been a blessing to your life? Maybe you can think of an organization that's helped you or been a blessing to your family and something that you're grateful for. And it might be your kid's school. It might be a missions organization. It might be an 
uh, a group that helped you when you were stuck or confused, but, but there may be a group that you are thankful for and now you'd like to support them financially. Second question, uh, what needs around me do I see? Typo, sorry, I'm not going to start this whole message over. What needs around me do I see? And, uh, and uh, in other words, what are the things that uh, you see around? It might be a family. It might be a young adult that, um, uh, that's just trying to get started. It might be, you might identify an organization that, are, that is helping addicts or foster kids or those that are sick or hurting. And, and so you'll support a hospital or a relief organization or or a, uh, or a support group. And uh, what are the needs? You might even support a individual family. What are the needs around you that you see? And then the third question, I think, is a key question. What do I see? God, where do I see God's kingdom advancing? In other words, where do you see the works that God has told us to do uh, being met? Uh, feeding the hungry, helping the poor, sharing the gospel. As James 1 says, caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Groups that are discipling followers of Christ. Where do you see God's kingdom advancing? Now, I'll admit when I look at these three questions, I, I think West Covina Christian Church is a place where hopefully many of you find an answer to all three of these questions. And Chelsea and I are excited about what is going on in this church. And so we give our tithes and offerings to our church. And, but I'm not here to twist your arm to do that. My, my prayer is that wherever God leads you, and maybe you split it up, but wherever God leads you, you might be able to be obedient to how he has called you to use your money, your possessions as a tool for his good. Now, let me give a little a piece of advice here. And this was a piece of advice that uh, Chelsea and I received a long time ago, and I found it to be extremely helpful. The, the, the first thing I'd want to say is de decide ahead of time where you want to send your money. Decide a, ahead of time uh, make a plan. Do it systematically. You, uh, because if you just wait for the moment, if you fly by the seat of your pants, you'll never actually end up being really generous. You'll give here and there, but at the end of the day, if we really want to make a difference, oftentimes it's done in a systematic way. And so the advice that Chelsea and I received when we got married was to give 10%, save 10%, and live on the rest. And sometimes that seems very hard, but here's the challenge that was given to us that I'd like to uh, give to you. You see, sometimes we put give on the bottom of the list, but what if we moved it to the top of the list? What if we went back to the Old, ten uh, the Old Testament principle of uh, giving a tithe off of the top of the first fruits? You see, if we reverse the order of how we normally do things, if we give first and then we save second and live off the rest, that is a path towards generosity. That is a path towards actually becoming rich towards God and making a, a, a big difference 
in the kingdom. To what ends do you want your life to be a means? That's the question I'd like us to wrestle with today. This is the teaching from Jesus found in in the parable in Luke 12. Money can add meaning to your life, but it is not the meaning of life. You and your possessions are to, your money and your possessions are to be used wisely and not foolishly. To use them wisely uh, leads us to become rich towards God. And so my hope and prayer is that you will live as a money manager, not as an owner, but as a manager of what God has entrusted to you so that you give first and save second and then live on the rest. And in the process, you'll discover that you have more joy because you're using uh, your money for God's purposes. Jesus talked a lot about money in the Gospel of Luke. And that's because it can be a powerful tool to be used for his glory. And so we, may we use it towards that end and in the process become rich towards God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have blessed us in many ways. And some of us may be hearing this sermon this morning and we really feel like, man, I don't feel rich today. This is a difficult time in my life uh, financially. And God, I pray that you would bless them today. Just help them to realize that you are in control and that you're going to provide for them. And God, I pray for those of us that uh, are comfortable today. God, I pray that you would change our hearts to become more and more generous. Help us to recognize that there are blessings in being rich towards you. And God, help us to be very thankful for all that you have given us. Not so that we might raise our standard of living, but that we might raise our standard of giving. And God, ultimately, may we as individuals and as a church be about the business of advancing your kingdom with with whatever you have entrusted to us. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.